SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. What is up, world? It is a Friday morning. Do not adjust your television screens or your radio dials. Ben Stevens has finally taken a vacation day. I think it's been, I don't know, 427 consecutive days of Ben Stevens, I believe. That guy is uh, the definition of an an iron horse. Um, But finally, he's taking a day off. And he asked, he's like, Keith, listen, by the way, I'm Keith Rosari. If you don't know me, Keith, please fill in for me, please. You're my mentor. You're my hero. You're everything to me. I said, Ben, for you, I will do it. And then we got John Shane's producing the show. We got Hayden running the boards, Jesse on graphics. This team is loaded. The show is loaded too. And as you can already tell, I'm fired up this morning. If you don't know, and well, then I don't know where you've been. I love baseball. I work for Major League Baseball, and yesterday to me was Christmas, it was Hanukkah, the Tooth Fairy showed up at my house and left money, and the Easter Bunny was there dropping off candy, and I'm, I'm out searching for, you know, I don't know, Cadbury eggs, because baseball's back. Oh, yes, it is. And listen, we have so much to talk about today. Khalil Mack looks like he's going to be a, an L.A. Charger. That's nuts. College hoops is is roaring, right? We had some really good games yesterday. That Butler-Providence game was a lot of fun just to watch in general. Duke-Syracuse. I mean, go on. Baylor loses. NBA, obviously, we're going to talk about the Nets, and we're going to talk about the Sixers. We're going to talk about the Warriors and Nuggets last night. Jokic falls just one, you know, stat short of another triple-double. But for now, I got to put that on the on the back burner. And I'm, I, my guests are awesome. Kevin Walsh going to join us. Darius Butler, nine years in the league. Dave Sharapan. But baseball, man, we have it. And now, listen, it took 99 days. The lockout was frustrating. It was annoying at so many levels, right? Because every single time it appeared, yes, we're going to have a deal. We didn't. Someone backed out, someone was angry, someone was not happy. But here's what we know. We're going to have a universal DH, and I'm all in on this one. I know the baseball peers get very angry about this, and I know that there are the people out there that go, oh, but now we're not going to get Bartolo Colon hitting a home run. Hogwash. I don't care. I don't care that there are certain pitchers that bat 222, and we get excited about it. I don't want to see it. Oh, but we want... We want the strategy. No, you don't. We want more runs scored. We want. We don't want the pitcher's spot coming up and us having to be like, oh, what's going to happen? What am I going to do? No, give me the universal DH. This is going to be the, the perfect situation. 12 teams in the playoffs. I Honestly, I didn't have a strong feeling either way. 14 seemed excessive. 12 is fine. Two teams on each side get a bye. I'm good with it. I don't think it affects the regular season too much. Again, we'll go back to baseball purists, and I think that's the, the, one of the main things in all of this when, when you're changing is that of all the four major sports 
baseball is the one it's the you know the hallowed the hallowed ground uh hallowed halls you know, all that kind of stuff and you know the you know the big numbers and you know all the history i'm okay with this change uh, as you kind of read through everything i actually kind of feel like both sides got what they wanted as we welcome in our radio audiences, I am Keith Irizarry, filling in on the morning after, having some fun. We're talking a whole boatload of things, uh, including, obviously, baseball being back. We thank you for joining us. Again, it is TMA, Sports Grid, Sports Grid Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 159, streaming devices. If you want to watch my pretty face, all of that is there for you. Uh, speaking of pretty faces, John James will join us at some point uh, during this show. Best hair in the business. We all know it. Anyway, Ben Stevens would argue, probably. He would say that he does. But th these two, they, they argue, they bicker like, like brothers. So I think that both sides did well. I think that the, the players' side, you know, they got, you know, where they wanted to be with some of the money. They got the pre-arbitration money. Uh, they, they, from a couple of years ago, going from, what, 500-something thousand dollars to, to now over $700,000 for the minimum salary. So we're happy about that. And then lastly, I would say, and this works for both sides, the season's going to start April 7th. We're going to have opening day just eight days after we expected it to be. Spring training, everyone's reporting Sunday. Spring training is going to start on Monday. And we're going to have 162 games. Oh, I, I forgot. One other thing that uh, was decided uh, doubleheaders are going to go back to nine inning doubleheaders. No more runners starting on, on second base either. So they've gotten rid of that. few little tweaks. Obviously, still, still need to figure out the international draft part of this. Uh, there are a few things that still need to be ironed out ultimately. But all I can say is I opened the show this way, and, and I'll tell you again as we near in on our first break, and Kevin Walsh will join us on the other side, and we'll switch gears. We'll go into hoops with him mostly. <sighs> Baseball is back. Yes. And now we can start talking free agency. Who's going to land Freddie Freeman? Carlos Correa. There are some monster names out there on the mark. Clayton Kershaw could be on another team. My goodness. If you're not excited about baseball being back, I don't want to be friends with you. All right. Step aside again. We're, we're off and running. I am Keith Irizarry. It is the morning after. As we go through the day, we'll have a cast of characters joining me. And the number one character is Kevin Walsh. He joins us next. Keith Irizarry, the morning after. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. What's going on back here on the morning after? So if you followed along on my career, at least let, let's say the last five years, what I do is I come up with like a list of my favorite people in the industry, okay? And, and some of them I know, some of them I don't, right? Of the On the list of people that I know that are on the top, like the favorite, Kevin Walsh is there. Now, when I'll tell you that from someone who I met just through this, 
right? That I feel like if I needed something like in life, like if I said like I need help moving something, I feel like I could call him and he would leave the city and would head over to my house and would do it. And he's also really good at TV and radio. Kevin Walsh, what's up, man? How you doing? What's going on, Keith? I appreciate the kind words. You know, the funny thing is, is, you know, we like to mess around. I can't be like, ah, oh, yeah, I wish I had something better to do. No, they were like, hey, like, Keith's going to be in Friday. You want to hang out? Like, Obviously. How long? Let me know. I'll be right there. <laughs> like, they were like, hey, Keith said you could take the first segment off. I'm like, all right, fine. I think I'd rather hang out, but no problem. I'll let Keith let people know he's jazzed up about baseball. You know I'm pumped to be here. It's been too long, over a year since we got to do the deal on air. Yeah, we still text every once in a while, but yeah, not we don't talk enough on TV. Is it something I did? Like, uh, why why are you always hanging I'll out with Donnie? Like, what's what's up? No, I tell you what, it is. It's because the LeBron Lakers are so bad. We don't. We oh, want, we're not going to be able to have as much fun talking. I like. I'll call Keith when the Lakers. Are, LeBron had a triple double and then fifty six the other day. Maybe they lost in the triple double game. I don't know. I erased that part from my memory. So I feel like we could probably sneak in some pro LeBron takes. Yeah, I think we could. You know, last night I'm at an AAU practice with my 11-year-old son. All the dads are slandering LeBron James. And I, oh I had to stand gosh. up for LeBron. I did. It didn't – if I'm being honest with you, it didn't go that well for me because I, I was, you know, <laughs> about four or five fathers. Just, uh, yeah, really bad. They, they really did uh, not like that LeBron made the pass against the Rockets to, uh, to Carmelo. Well, Everyone was saying Jordan would have dunked it. That was everyone's comments. Yeah, I know. No, I yeah, I know. Of course, he, I'm sh- I'm sure he would have, man. I, listen, I, you know what Jordan would have done? Been retired, didn't play 19 seasons. Tough scene for the Jordan fans. I also wish he would have gone up. That would have been great. Because the crazy part about that play, though, Keith. Again, you know LeBron well. I mean, most people do anyway. But like, he was dribbling in his spot. I go, all right. Let me know when he misses the 35 footer he's going to take. And then he drove. And I'm literally like. Oh, my God! And then he passed it. I was like, oh, my gosh. But the thing is, is, like, you have to imagine Carmelo was like, yep, this is exactly how it went. Perfect. Missed it. Nonsense. Jalen Green, who's been in the NBA for four minutes, is picking on Carmelo Anthony. What a scene. What a scene. Yeah, I didn't like that. Hey, Jalen Green is someone I want to talk about. We'll do that. I think we're going to do that in the next segment here because I, I uh-huh. this rookie class, Jalen and you and I have been all over Cade Cunningham for a while. Uh, do that. But I, I, let's dive into the East. Because right now, the East is a little bit confusing. We saw the Nets last night look really, really good at basketball. We saw James Harden fall back to the pack last night and not look good at playing basketball and may or may not have had a cramp in his leg. If you look at the hierarchy in the East, Mm -hmm. how do you kind of rank it? For me, I think that I would want a piece of either Miami or Milwaukee. Look, the Sixers have had a couple of opportunities, I think, to put forward performances that suggest they could be favorites in this conference. Harden didn't play versus Miami, and then they completely no-show the game here versus Brooklyn. The concerns around this team, whether it be Harden's postseason struggles or Doc Rivers' postseason struggles, are not going to be calmed when Brooklyn rocks up to your gym and embarrasses your entire organization. And make no bones about it. They embarrass that team. You can, ah, just a regular season game. No, 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 no. Every fan in that building paid through the nose to be there to boo Ben Simmons, and by halftime, they're booing Joel Embiid and James Harden. That's as bad of a result as any team has put forward this entire season. The problem for Brooklyn, though, Keith, they're the eighth seed. Like, I can't get involved with you at plus 240. You're in the eighth seed. You're opening round game. You're going to go to Miami? That's bad. Your opening round series. What if they're at Milwaukee, Keith, in the first round? 
They're not going to be favored in that series. They're not. I'm with you. The Ben Simmons thing is hanging over our heads right now. If and when he actually plays basketball and he can guard one through five and he's there just to facilitate, the Nets fascinate me, but I don't trust them. I'm with you. I think there were too many people are just sleeping on the Milwaukee Bucks. They're acting like the Milwaukee Bucks are not the defending champs and they don't have the most dominant singular player in the sport of basketball. And while we both love LeBron James and I love what Jokic is doing and Embiid and Jokic are going to be the guys that I think at the end are the top two for MVP, Giannis mm-hmm. Joe just ho-hum is having another Hall of Fame season. Middleton's yeah. been good. Holiday's been good. Bobby Portis is an excellent shooter. Because, by the way, he's been working with lethal shooter, my guy Chris Matthews, uh, in the offseason. I love this Bucks team. Yeah, I'm surprised that the odds basically suggest Giannis has been eliminated from the MVP race. They've won six games in a row, I believe, and are two back of Miami. I don't really understand how Joel Embiid would be in front of Giannis if the Bucks win more games than the Sixers. I don't understand the angle there. Joel Embiid does not have some ad- monster advantage statistically, whether that be you know pure points per game, rebounds, whatever it might be, or whether that be your advanced analytics. So I think Giannis's number presents a ton of value if you're still looking to bet down the board in the MVP race there. And the reason, though, that I, want to, I would still make the case for Miami is there isn't a single team in the Eastern Conference that walks into a Miami series and is happy about it. Giannis, let me tell you this, man. Ask Giannis if he thinks he's figured out the Miami Heat. He'll tell you absolutely not. You know Botch well. Listen, does a great job here with us on Sports Grid. Mm. Everything the Nets do is great, except for when they rock up onto a court against the Miami Heat, and he goes, yep, that's terrifying. Ask the Sixers if they... If, you think James Harden wants to spend a, a, a seven-game series having Jimmy Butler, then Kyle Lowry, then P.J. Tucker all thrown at him? It's a nightmare, man. They're the one seed for a reason. They check every box. They do. They do. I... Who's the closer? You trust Jimmy? That's the problem. I, I don't love the three minutes left in the game offense that they're probably going to have to bring to the floor. It's sneaky might be Tyler Hero. Their best plan of mm. attack, though, is to... Here, so here's the box they don't check. They don't have a top five player in the NBA, right? We go through all these other contenders there outside of the Phoenix Suns, right? But Chris Paul probably ranks higher in a pecking order than Jimmy Butler right now, I think, right? And Devin Booker ranks higher in a pecking order than a Bam out of bio. What Miami needs to do is not fall in the trap of giving it to one singular player and just out-team everybody. Let Lowry and Adebayo run pick and roll while Duncan Robinson sits wide open in a corner. Let Jimmy let Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero run mismatch pick and roll and find the, the mismatch out there on the court. They have too many options to rely on one singular player, I think, in crunch time. But that is obviously the one hesitation that you go up and down these other teams, Durant, Embiid, Giannis, Jimmy, with respect to Jimmy, it is a drop-off. So uh, we don't have that much time left in this segment, but our producer mm-hmm. is John Shames, and you know John very well. He loves his yeah, Boston Celtics, and Jason Tatum is on fire. Uh, John, I think it was either yesterday or the day before, said that Jason Tatum is the best player in the NBA. Like, I actually no. think that Jason Tatum's already in the Hall of Fame, if you ask John. Nope. Um, what, what are your thoughts right now on the Boston Celtics? 
Yeah, man, that's just tough for Shams, too, because he's probably having a nice day. Uh, listen, the reality on Jason Tatum is his ceiling as a top-five player in the sport, but also his floor is nauseating and will cost you a game. Like, Jason Tatum has more games shooting under 30% from the field this season than Durant has over the last decade. Those are, like, roughly accurate numbers, too. By the way, Jason Tatum is as likely to give me 50 as he is to shoot 30% from the floor. So I, that just can't happen. When he hits the consistency, then he will be what John James and all of Boston thinks he is. Uh, John's in my ear. Literally, I hear him crying. He's whimpering in my ear right now. He's trying to kick me off the show. It's not happening. I'm staying. Yeah, you might get booted. I'm not. All right, when we get back, let's do a little college hoops, all right? We got a bunch going on. Kevin Walsh with me the morning after. It's Keith Rosario. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're rolling along here. It is the morning after Sports Grid, Sports Grid Radio, Sirius XM Channel 159. Keith Irizarry with you, and Kevin Walsh is riding with me for hour number one. It is time for some college hoops. Get in the zone. The zone. There it is. Kev, don't you feel like I like you need to do weird voices? Me, the zone. Here's the thing about that, right? Is I, it's now all connecting to, right? Ben, Syracuse. That thing says yep. you can't beat the zone. That stinger never watched a game where Duke played Syracuse. They beat that zone up and down, left, right, and center three times this season. What are you going to yeah. do, though? Yeah. I'm out on the zone, by the way. I, don't, I, 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 I think the zone is a, a really cute thing to do with second graders. I, for some, so I think it's ridiculous that Bayheim is just cons- always in the zone. Like, that's madness to me that he, like, refuses to see what a man-to-man defense would look like. But for some reason, I always am fascinated when they run it in the NBA. I'm like, ooh, a zone. Because you know what I mean? Like, in the NBA, they play man so often. So it's very funny to me when all of a sudden NBA players are like, um, all right, I'll go to the free throw line. They're like, hands up. I'm like, you look like a child. Because that's what it is. It is like a second grade thing. Yeah. So it's a lot of fun for me. Yeah, I will tell you this. 10-0 uh, and 0 basketball season for my seven-year-old in second grade this year. I was the head coach. Not once mm. did we run zone. Man-to-man Good. entire season. Good. You can't you can't full court press in this, but you can pick up at half court. And in each game, I would ask the opposing coach, "Do you want us to pick, do you want us to stay back and we we can wait and pick up at the three point line if you want?" And every mm-hmm. coach, because you know it's like this bravado thing, is like, "No, you could pick yeah, up." Yeah, yeah. And then when they're down twenty to two, after all my kids steal their ball, um, they were like, "Oh, maybe we shouldn't have done it that way." Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. What are you yeah. going to do? Listen, Keith comes yeah. in. He's got a game plan. That's how he does his shows. That's how he coaches the second-grade team, which, by the way, is the way to do it because at the end of the day, the kid's on the other team not having a nice time. Keith's kid's loving every second of it, and I don't have to watch the game to know that. Yeah, you know, no, no. We had, we had a blast. It was a great season. Really fun. Uh, having, a, having a blast, having a great season, Duke. I, like, bad loss to North Carolina in the finality of, of the home season yeah. for Coach K. And at times yesterday – 
they look sluggish. And again, you could you could say it has something to do with the zone and 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 that that style of defense. But nobody behind even on the floor. I came into the day thinking Duke should have like you know just ran away from them. They didn't. Are you at all worried about Duke now going into the field of sixty-eight? I'm so I'm worried about a world where they find themselves down four points with eight minutes left in the round of 32 and it starts to creep into their head that this is going to be Kay's last game of his career. That's what I'm worried about because I think that's something that can kind of start to creep into your mind when you're playing Coach Kay's last ever home game and then get embarrassed by UNC in the game. The Syracuse game I'm actually not all too bothered by. Syracuse had a game under the belt. Duke did not. And Syracuse shot the lights out. So I think from that perspective, it's fine. I think the really difficult thing, though, when you look at the first round of the Big 12, if Duke beat UNC, I think Duke would be on their way to a one line. It seems that they don't have that chance based on the odds. But had they beat UNC, they probably would have found themselves a number one seed. Obviously, that would have been very beneficial for them. Yeah, Baylor's the team now after losing yesterday. You wonder if they can hold on to a one seed because if Kansas runs runs through the Big 12, they're going to be a one seed. We know that Gonzaga's going to be a one seed. We know that. And then you would assume one of the SEC teams, whether it's Kentucky or Auburn, ends up as a one? Yeah, well, so so right now, like, they have the odds post, right? So Gonzaga's going to be number one overall. We know that. Arizona, they're saying, also is already two, yep. locked in as, as a one seed. Baylor is still minus 360 to be a one seed. I don't see the vision. Because I agree, one of Auburn or, uh, or Kentucky take up one of those spots. And then basically, to me, it's either Baylor or Kansas. If Kansas wins the Big 12 tournament, I think it's Kansas, which they're favored to do. And if they don't, I think it's Baylor. But I don't think, I don't see a world at least, let's just say Auburn wins the SEC, Kansas wins the Big 12. I don't see how Baylor stays on the one line. I'm with you. I, I just don't see it. Even though, you know, a week and a half ago, I think I was talking to Coach Young saying, and we were discussing Baylor, and it felt like Baylor was Baylor again. Though was, last night was not a great loss. It's one of the reasons why, and I know we're doing a gambling show here, and we're supposed to be giving out the best betting advice on these singular games. And, and you could tell me if you feel this way, the same, the same way. I find it very difficult to handicap these conference tournaments because you have a Baylor who yes they want a one seed but they know they're in so they're still 18 19 20 year old kids that could mm -hmm. almost take their foot off the gas for a second and then they get yeah. upended by an Oklahoma squad well so that's why I think you want to be careful like money line parlays when we start getting to tournaments is not the way to run it right Nothing is safe when we get into single elimination tournament play. It just doesn't operate the same way. And the other thing to me is I kind of like, I think you take these snapshots of quarterfinals and it's like an upset's coming somewhere. Right? By the SEC, it was Bama. In the Big 12, the big one was Baylor. Texas blew a 20-point lead. Be ashamed of yourselves, right? Uh, Notre Dame, it wasn't really an upset, but they were the higher seed. Like, you know that there's going to be a lower seed moving on somewhere. So I think you try and try and always factor that in. The other thing, though, that you can try and operate to, Keith, right, is because obviously, look, we're trying to get involved on a day-to-day -day basis, but the tournament is where things really ramp up. I've been trying to figure out how much a 
a an away team split carries. Because I like I don't care if you are perfect against the spread at home, you're not home anymore. But if I tell you, Keith Wright, that a team covered all of their road games, well, does that matter on a neutral site? Those are the kind of things that I think you want to try and see if you can carry over when we get to the big dance if you're somebody that likes betting on trends. Yeah, it's a good point. Again, he is Kevin Walsh. Joining me, Keith Arizari. It is the morning after on a Friday, Sports Grid, Sports Grid Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 159. One of my favorite games yesterday, and maybe it was just because it was early. I was sitting on the couch. I'm, I'm crunching stuff for this show, for betting above the rim on Saturday, doing a whole bunch of stuff, mm-hmm. and also doing laundry, you know, because that's what I do, um, yeah. was the Butler and, and, and the Providence game. Because Butler had no business beating Providence. They didn't ultimately. And hearing Coach Cooley afterwards talk about, we had a little bit of a layoff. I was worried our guys could come out a little bit sluggish. There has been a narrative on this network. And I know you have been in these conversations about the value of Providence in the field of 68. Do you still feel there is value in Providence once we get into the tournament? Yeah, so, so here's the thing with Providence, right? This isn't all that difficult to figure out. If you're someone that, if you just know what Ken Palm is, they are the number one team in luck by a wide margin, right? And what that seemingly breaks down to is how often you're winning close basketball games. Now, often, I would say that's not sustainable. Keith, they've played 29 games. They've won 25 of the games. Maybe Cooley's group is just really good in crunch time, man. And doesn't that matter? Doesn't that matter when we're going to get to the NCAA tournament? Like, I'm, I just, I can't wrap my head around the notion that it's like, no, 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 you got to give me Purdue, a team that can't defend a lick, a lick, because, well, but it's Purdue, and blah, blah, blah. but all of a sudden you go, oh, I don't want none of Providence. All they do is win close games. How is that a negative? I, I, it's just, it's ne- it just feels like people are getting over their head here. Haters want to hate. And what we want is like a fan at home wants to be like, oh, I want that team. I want Gonzaga who wins every game by 10 points. I know they lost to the St. Mary's, but I, I want mm-hmm. that team. You know what? A win ultimately is a win. And to go further with your point about Providence, and I'm not as high on Providence as like you and Ben are, but I do like Providence. I think they could be a Sweet 16 team, maybe even Elite Eight. But with that being said, I I want a battle-tested team, don't I? I want a coach who knows how to coach in those big moments, and I want a team that won't fold under the pressure. And I've seen it. What, 14 times this year that they've, whatever the number is of the of the close games, whatever you consider a close game? Like, I've seen it with my own two eyes. So, yeah, I'm in on Providence. Maybe not as high as you guys, but I am in on, on Providence. And it's all relative, though, right? Do I think Providence is going to win the national championship? No. But they're 90-1, to 1, and they're going to be no worse than a four seed. And if they win this Big East tournament, They'll find themselves in the mix for a on the three or the two line. That's the. Re- it's about a pathway, right? It's about where the value lines up ultimately. There again, people can, and it's also about how you want to build out the national championship board if you're looking to grab a, a couple of pieces. If you bet Gonzaga at plus three eighty, you can bet one more team, and that's it. If I bet Providence at ninety to one, I can still attack 
the rest of the board and figure out how I want to position myself. It's all relative. Yeah, I'll tell you the number that's been jumping out to me for a while is Villanova, the name at least, and the number at 25 to 1, Colin Gillespie. If that team could be healthy, they've got, you know, veteran leadership and, of course, a, a national championship, two-time national championship winning Jay Wright. Villanova is one of my squads that I would look at. Yeah, that makes sense. Although, again, based on the Providence method, basically they're the worst team in the country because they only beat St. John's by one yesterday, right? Lucky it doesn't yeah. count. We should eliminate them from the tournament. It's a good point. All right, so Villanova is out. Don't uh, don't look at them. <laughs> they are done. Kevin Walsh dropping jewels and gems. When we get back, we go to the association. Keep it locked right here at the morning after. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Yeah, we are rolling along here on a Friday morning. Keith Irizarry, the morning after. Kevin Walsh is with me. Um, he is a star of stars. You know, there was a recent poll done at SportsGrid, and I don't know if it's for public consumption or not, but whatever. I, I, I don't play by the rules. Bosses can't hold me down. And apparently, mm. Kevin Walsh was voted the number one host on the network. Mm. That's what I, The number one full-time mm. host on the network is Kevin Absolutely. Walsh. Um, he's also the number one guest on the network too. I think that's it's crazy, man. Do you have like? Yeah, no, look, that's so good did stuff. You, Make sure you you send. Did you that know to about Donnie, this? Though, and let him know that. I didn't oh, know about this. Don- Make sure you tell yeah. Donnie, man. Tell Donnie that I'm number one, so we could put him in check. Because Donnie runs well, it up a little bit too much. Well, to be fair, Donnie knew about the poll, and he's been trying to get people to not talk about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, you know yeah, actually, yeah, a cover-up yeah. campaign. He's trying to steal the vote, yeah. steal the action. Yeah. He so, called me. He, w- he was He was a uh, little – it was – I don't know. He was somber. Let's just say he was somber. Yeah. Okay? No, it, it sounds yeah. like right side, man. It sounds like right side. Uh, well, yeah, good. good dude, sore loser. Anyway, <laughs> Jason Tatum is absolutely on fire. And I'm going to do this for yeah, our producer, cool. John James, here. The numbers are nuts, and, and we can go through those, you know, averaging the 42 points per game over the last four games. And, he, I mean, he's shooting the lights out. I've said for a long time, he should be a top 10 player. He can be a top five, six player. But as for these Boston Celtics, how real are they? And I know we, we barely touched upon it at the top of the show, but how real are they when we just kind of start discussing the Eastern Conference? So the thing for Boston, right, is, is this change isn't correlated to Tatum scoring 40 a night. This goes back to February And it just goes back to them on the defensive side of the basketball locking in at an unbelievably high level. With that being said, the the stretch of teams that they've been playing is not the best in the NBA. Look, good win versus Denver at home. You are still home. They've done some really nasty things to the Atlanta Hawks, uh, which has been impressive, right? But, again, you kind of run through it here. Right? Like, oh, man, look at that win over the Nets. Yeah, that was the, like, fake Brooklyn team that they played. Mm-hmm. They played the real Brooklyn team. They still won the game, right, with Tatum going absolutely wild. Their schedule here lines up nicely for Boston. I think if the defensive side of the basketball is real, 
But look, more than anything, because I do think the East is open. If Jason Tatum finds consistency, then we can have a conversation. Look, I was talking with someone yesterday who knows the Boston Celtics very well. He's like, man, I told you Tatum would figure it out. What an exciting team. I don't expect, you know, that they're going to win anything this year. But it's all great stuff. I said, enough. You've been doing this for, for his entire career now. Stop telling me you don't expect anything. Stop, t- stop telling me that, oh, a first-round exit's okay. No. The East is wide open. You have the best point differential in the conference. Just because the window doesn't close if you lose in the first year doesn't mean it's disappointing. The Boston Celtics need to win a round in the postseason or we get to ask questions about what's going on. Because here's the reality. They have underachieved relative to matchups. LeBron, 48 minutes in your building. Jeff Green, second best player. Thanks for coming. In the bubble, favored in a series, versus the Miami Heat, never mind, you're gone. They've had opportunities, Keith, and they've not been able to close the door. I'm with you. I'm not a believer in the Boston Celtics. I looked at the schedule also. But, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think they've been a good team. If you want to bet them, they've been a good team to bet right now. That's perfectly fine. And if you want to hit props on Jason Tatum, you're doing well with that too. I want to go to the West really fast. So let, let, let's bounce back and forth because Luka Doncic also kind of figuring it out again on, on the grand scale of things. I know he had a dud the other night, but he has been on fire as well. And when we start talking about this MVP conversation, Luka was my guy last year. It didn't work out. Mm -hmm. I decided I wasn't in on him this year. Is there a chance in your mind, and again, you can't really gamble on someone being top five, but it's just about value too. You think Luka can get himself into the top five of the MVP conversation? I've been trying to figure out why he can't win the award. Because the odds say he can't, but why not? They They have a better record than Denver, right? They have the same amount of wins as the Sixers. Like, so what are we doing it? Why why is it that he's eliminated from the race? Please, I hope no one's going to tell me because he's got more help because Dwight Powell and Reggie Bullock are on the court and Dorian Finney-Smith. That doesn't make any sense. I'm just, like, I know that Jokic, like, again, Jokic has him beat through all those advanced statistics, but if Jokic was the favorite, Keith, I wouldn't be talking about this. But he's not, because it's hard to repeat and win this award twice in a row. We know that to be true. Like, if you go, if again, and if you love the advanced analytics there, the top four is Jokic, Giannis, Embiid, and Doncic. So yep. I don't really understand why he has been continually booked as if he's out of this race. He has a way better chance than John Moran or DeMar DeRozan, and he should be closer to 10 to 1 than this 49 to 1. The problem is, is it a waste of money? Because if he's not going to win at this point in the season, I don't know if I need a piece of it. But he should be top five easy. I think so, too. And, and you look at the Dallas Mavericks, and I think they're overachieving with the roster that they have right now. I mean, the names you just yeah. mentioned, exactly. Most people don't know them. Uh, they could end up third in the Western Conference with the way they are playing. I, I think it was StatMuse that put it up the other day. And, and, John, maybe you could pull this up for us and, and, and we could discuss this. They put on all the advanced analytics, and they did. They compared Jokic, uh, Embiid, and Giannis. And I think it was 50 categories. Jokic was, like, mm-hmm. number one in 32 of the 50 categories. He was at least top two out of the three of them in, like, 40-something of the categories. 
by all intents and purposes, Jokic should win this award. But you're right. We look at the odds, and it doesn't appear that he's going to. Almost feels like whether it's a book just thinks that Embiid's going to win it because he didn't win it last year because of some slight. You kind of feel like that a little bit? So, again, so this has been very. It's been tough to navigate there because the people who think Jokic is MVP can't believe that this is a debate. But that isn't a value. That's not valuable in the betting context because at either a minus 130 Embiid number or a plus 140 Jokic number, you're betting to win. You're not betting for value and you don't get a vote. It's about who they're going to vote for to win this award. Here's the best thing that I can give you, Keith. Box score plus minus. It's, it's a catch-all advanced statistic, right? 11 of the last 13 players to lead the NBA in that statistic, right, over the last 13 seasons, won the MVP. 11 of the last 13. Jokic leads the league in box score plus minus. The two exceptions, LeBron, Harden, they won the MVP the year before. But Jokic right now is actually breaking the all-time record for box score plus minus. But the reality is, the reason that Jokic isn't the favorite is that he won it last year, and it's hard to repeat. That's Look, LeBron should have ripped off seven of these in a row. MJ should have ripped off seven in a row. They didn't let it happen. They threw one to Carl. They gave the worst MVP in the history of the NBA out to Derrick Rose, who's going to become the first guy to ever not make the Hall of Fame while winning the MVP. I hope everybody's happy they took one off LeBron's plate. Clowns. They should take everyone's vote away. But that's where we sit right now with Jokic here, Keith, is he won it last year, and it's working against him. I love I love when we get you going on the LeBron thing. I because I, whether it's seven, whatever the number would have been, and LeBron should have won five in a row at that point. I mean, honestly, Shaquille O'Neal. If you watch, you know, the TNT show, he routinely talks about how Steve Nash stole his awards, and and Steve Nash is a Hall of Famer, but Shaquille O'Neal was the most dominant player in the NBA at the time, and LeBron should have won five, six, seven in a row. Jordan should have yeah. as well. And it, there's too many. It, we could good. I mean, honestly, we can go to the baseball side of things too. Why? Why do they routinely not put people in unanimously? Nothing changed. Mm-hmm. That said, player is still a Hall of Famer. It's because writers want to grandstand and they want to make their point, and it's as simple as that. So, with that being said, right now, if if you were voting, who's your MVP? And if you were betting, who's your MVP? Because I think it might be different. If- yeah, I, th- I think they are different. If I, if I'm voting, I think I'm just going. I have to go with Jokic. I just think his numbers are the best, and I think he is probably doing the most with the least. And Doncic had a very bad open to his season, which has harmed him uh, statistically. Who am I betting on? I don't really think I want to bet either Embiid or Jokic. Because I think there's a world where Giannis or Doncic could come get in the mix. I'll put it to you like this. If you gave me 100 bucks, even though I might lose the 100 bucks, I'd probably be happier to put 50 on Giannis and 50 on Luka than put a full 100 down on either Embiid or Jokic right now. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. Again, he is Kevin Wallstrom and Amiki Thirazari on the morning after. The rookies are high-flying. Jalen Green is yeah. waking up. We are we are seeing what a lot of people thought he was. And Cade Cunningham is the greatest basketball player, not named LeBron James, in the history <laughs> of the sport. Uh, it, betting around the rim it was last year, betting above the rim it is now. I had so much mm-hmm. fun covering Cade Cunningham last year. And we watch, listen, the Pistons, they, they stink. They're, they're not a good basketball team. 
but at times they're fun. And why are they fun? Because Cade Cunningham can put up some numbers. Cade Cunningham is, is just out there. He he reminds me as I'm watching him. I know you're younger than I am, but you are a historian. I feel like I'm watching Grant Hill. That's what I feel like I'm watching. Look, I know, like the Pistons uniform is going to help that. I'll tell you this right it, now. Of course, it he's going to yes. He Keith, he's going to get them to, to at least to play in next year. He's going to get them to the play in next year at least. I know they're bad. I don't care. They've covered every single game post All Star break. They've been a dog in every game, and they also have won more than they've lost. And this run goes back, by the way, as they're playing Boston tonight, right before the break. They go to Boston, 12-point dog, win outright. Here, look, Evan Mobley is phenomenal. Phenomenal. And is rightfully going to win Rookie of the Year. I'd still take Kate Cunningham, though, if you did the redraft. That's not a slight yeah. to Evan Mobley. It's not a slight to Evan Mobley. It's also about just the state of the NBA. A primary initiator is going to matter I still think in the long run more, and that's what Cade Cunningham is at a high level. But I tell you too, Keith, and you know this because you follow it closely. We went into that NBA draft, and people were like, man, I don't know about this class. Cade Cunningham is going to make an all-star team next year. Evan Mobley might make an all-star team next year. Jalen Green very obviously will be averaging 20 points per game next season. And Scotty Barnes was a fantastic pick by the Toronto Raptors, who's flirting with a 20-point double-double post-break. And I'm not and even don't talking about, about everybody's Giddy. favorite son. <laughs> well, look, yeah, Josh Giddy's a nut. Kuminga and Moses Moody look like they both might hit for Golden State. And at some point, I think Jalen Suggs can figure it out in Orlando. Yes. That class was undervalued, man. I mean, it looks yeah. like we already... Like, if I gave you over-under three-and-a-half All-Stars, you're taking over from that class. Oh, way over. And that, and that's the, the problem with this past class was, save for Cade Cunningham, I think mm -hmm. that people just didn't... Like, you didn't know Jalen Green unless you're, like, yeah. guys like us who sleep and mm -hmm. breathe and, and just love yeah. basketball because he played in the G League. And... If maybe you didn't know Evan Mobley that much because he was out on the West Coast, and let's say you live in New York or New Jersey or Philadelphia or something like that, right? So you didn't pay attention. And Josh Giddy, you're like, ah, where is he from? Who is he again? Exactly. I'm and Kaminga and all these guys too. Uh, all right, we got to step aside again. K Dub is going to stay with me for one more segment. Keep it locked right here. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. What's cooking? We are back here the morning after. Keith Irizarry, Kevin Walsh with you, as we always do on the show, or Ben does. I think Ben says it a certain way, so I don't I don't know if I, I – should I do a Ben Stevens here? Let's read the public! That's what he would do, <laughs> He's going to steal that. He's going to steal that. That's a Ben Ste – didn't that feel Ben Stevens' Ariel used to do that big dance, man. She used yep. to get wild with it. She did the shoulder shimmy, right? Wasn't it the shoulder uh -huh. shimmy? Oh, that was the yeah. till bet to us par. Is that can uh -huh. we even talk about that? Is that I don't think no. You just now you now owe her money. Good job by you. 
You go, uh, you need you need to Venmo her like twenty five dollars oh, right now. No. That's a good I'll tell I'll tell the queen I apologize. Yeah, that's that's on you, bro. That's on you. Hey, so we do have a poll up. Let's uh, let's show it to our TV audience and and we will react to it. Uh, question is, who is the second best quarterback left in the NFC? So I'm assuming this means we're we're just straight out saying Aaron Rodgers is number one. So Kyler, Dak, yeah. Stafford, or other. Uh, what do we got? Stafford at 48%. How about the fans out there just solely going off the Rams and Stafford uh, winning a Super Bowl? Because if this poll was done eight months ago, Stafford's not even on this list. So that's true. But if it was done before the playoffs, I still think it's Stafford. He had the best regular season of that group. Get Dak yeah. out of my face. I cannot, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. For Cowboys fans, week six, what do you want Dak to do? They got rid of Amari. His second option is Dalton Schultz. Figure it out, man. Thought he was a top five quarterback. Figure it out. Mwah. Oh, I hope Carson Wentz absolutely obliterates that team. Carson Wentz, more MVP votes in his career than Dak Prescott. Thank you. It's amazing. I'm getting text messages. Why aren't we talking about Daniel Jones? Because he's got the best top speed of any quarterback. And listen, I, I, I'm a Kyler Murray guy. You know that I love me some Kyler Murray. Mm -hmm. I don't like what this offseason has been. It's been really uncomfortable and awkward at times. But the talent is there. Speaking of talent, no more, more talented than you, Kev. Go get a nap, okay? My man. Be good.